This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, so glad that you're tuning in. Today I have the great pleasure of being able to announce that we have another sponsor for our How to Be an Ally Summit, and it's Altria Group. At the Gardner level, they are going to be sending a team to the summit to learn about how to create inclusive workplaces. We've had the chance to partner with teams throughout the Altria brands, and each time we have been so delighted to see how much commitment the leadership continues to show towards diversity, equity, and inclusion. They are doing the hard work that it takes to bring people along in their individual and collective journeys. And we're so glad to have them as guests at the next How to Be an Ally Summit and also as our partners. Hello and welcome to Uplifting Impact. I am so excited today to be here with Deborah Rue. Deborah is a global disability inclusion strategist, market influencer, internationally recognized keynote speaker, published author, branding expert, successful entrepreneur, and exceptional mother. She also is just a really kind person and has a heart of gold. We are so excited that Deborah is here with us. She is the host of a very popular program. It's called Human Potential at Work, and she has an audience in 90 two countries and 113 regions. She's won all kinds of amazing awards. Some of her books include inclusion branding, also tapping into hidden human capital and finding your voice using social media. One statistic that I was like, I didn't even know that this existed, but of course, if it does exist, Deborah would be on this list. She's considered one of the top 5% of social media influencers, number 11 in global digital influencers. And in the top 0.1% of people talking about disability inclusion and accessibility. And she's on our podcast, which is awesome. (laughs) We're going to have to add that to the the list of many accolades. Deborah, thank you for being here with us. Thank you. I love this. I love your podcast. So I was very honored to be invited. Awesome. Well, we have so many questions for you. We're going to jump right in uh, to our questions. The first question is just a one that we've been asking our, our, our guests recently, and I've been having a lot of fun with it. Can you tell me something that is bringing you joy? Oh, that's, you know, that's a great question. And I'm going to say rain. And the reason I'm going to say that is because I'm in Virginia and it has been, it has rained so very much, but I was watching a, a YouTube video and there was this beautiful baby that uh, I don't know if she was Chinese or Korean. She was an Asian baby and she was so cute. And she saw rain for the first time and she just is in so in love with it. And, and I thought, I find that kind of joy with rain too, and with nature and everything. And today when it was raining, I was thinking of that little baby experiencing rain for the first time. And so I'm going to go with rain. That is (laughs) awesome. As somebody who just uh, weathered a storm and had four days without electricity, 
Rain is not what I would say is bringing me joy. However, I'm going to try and use that perspective, right? Because through through the eyes of of looking through a baby, that, yes, <laughs> that, always, so that always makes everything else beautiful. <laughs> and just appreciating our beautiful earth, you know, because there's so Absolutely. many things to be scared of right now and so many things to be frightened of. And so I'm just looking at the things that are beautiful in our world, like, you know, the sound of rain in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> to try to help me manage it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a great perspective. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So one of the things that you have dedicated your life to is global disabilities inclusion. And I guess one of the things I'm just curious about is how did you get there? Like, how, what was your pathway to, to, to deciding that's where you're going to put all of your wonderful talents? Well, it, it, like, you know, so many people, it was, uh, it was a, you know, a curvy road and I didn't ever know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I wanted to make a difference. I thought about being a police officer. I'm so glad I didn't do that one now, just cause what a hard job, what a hard job, but I was going to be a psychiatrist. I would blah, blah, blah. But what I did do was I went into the banking industry and to, and I was a technologist in the banking industry. And then I had my first child and I had her when I was 28 years old and she was born with Down syndrome. And the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, in the past, we used to say it only happens to older mothers. But even though I was 28, it is, you know, at that time, it was the most common age. So, but I didn't think at the time when they told us that she had Down syndrome, that I knew anybody with a disability. And then, uh, you know, slowly but surely, and I was in the banking industry, and I wanted to make a bigger difference. But my daughter just influenced me in so many ways. And I didn't understand why people didn't say to me, oh, congratulations on your beautiful baby. It was more like, oh, she's got Down syndrome. And, and I thought, no, I want to celebrate my daughter's life, just like I celebrated my son's life when he was born. And I just really woke up to what a lot of people with disabilities have to deal with. You know, you're less than, you are broken, you don't, you can't provide any value, but don't worry, society will take care of you. You know, it just almost like you're not really human. So it was my daughter that was really the catalyst for inspiring me to do this work because I wanted people to see how great she was. <laughs> that is awesome. And I think, you know, a lot of people who listen to our podcast are in a place where they're leaders, right? And I always say everyone's a leader, right? No, it doesn't. I'm not talking about your title. I'm not talking about your, but they are trying to figure out ways to help people gain and get to a better understanding. And so I just appreciate you sharing, you know, your own journey and just your own kind of growth and understanding of like what, what was going on and how people were responding and how, and a lot of times we put, are put in situations where we're leaders in new spaces or we become mothers or we become, you know, parents or we become whatever, whatever it might be that get us into a community that allows for us to see some of the things that maybe we just hadn't seen before, right? Like that, that we, we didn't have awareness of. The question is, what are you going to do with that awareness? And, and how does that show up? And how does that change kind of the way that you move in the world and how you help other people thrive in the world? And so I just think that that understanding of what your pathway is, is really important that we try to ask all of our guests, but I hope our listeners are also thinking through that. What, what is, where are you right now? And, and what are you, how are you engaging in the world? So I guess one of the questions I, I have really specifically is if maybe you could just share a little bit about what you are doing and, and how, how this has influenced the work that you do on a daily basis. 
Well, um, thank you. And you brought up so many important points because we are all leaders, especially you're looking at the younger people these days. I am so impressed. They're doing things that I, you know, 19 year olds, 14 year olds, I'm just so, and and I'm thankful because we need that kind of leadership right now. But I, you know, I always came from corporate America. I, I worked in large banks. I worked in mortgage banking and things. And it was such a blessing to get a paycheck like every two weeks really, whether I did a good job that week or not. I mean, I tried to always do a good job, but it was such a blessing. And I did not have a burning desire to become an entrepreneur, but I did have a burning desire to make a difference. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of us, probably a lot of your audience, they they want to make a difference. And But I wasn't really sure w- what I could do to help. But so I tried to bloom where I was planted. I tried to make a real difference in the the executive positions I was in in these banks. And and I was, I think I was making a difference because you can definitely make a difference no matter where you are. But um, then when I, when my daughter reached middle school and once again, I saw the world telling her you will add no value to the workforce. I, I realized that my path was to make a difference, but what I do, I work with corporations at Rue Global Impact. We we work with mainly multinational corporations to help them more meaningfully include people with disabilities in their workforce, promoting them, supporting them if they need accommodations. And accommodations are not just individual for individuals with disabilities, but I sort of guide the corporations on how to more meaningfully include us, which is you know what a lot of my books are about. But I, and this is good, I'm a social enterprise, I'm a for-profit, and I didn't want to be a nonprofit because I wanted to prove that I could employ talented people with disabilities and we could do just as good a job as anybody else. I was trying to prove something. And, but I will tell you along the way, cash flow has been a huge issue. It's been, being an entrepreneur is a real challenge, but also a wonderful, beautiful job too. I also was helping a lot of other people. So I was help, really helping groups start to form like there's something called the Valuable 500, which is 500 multinational corporations that have come together with the World Economic Forum and at a CEO level, they're committing to include people with disabilities. So, wow, that's wonderful. But at the same time, there is a real problem in the community that I am part of, of community of people with disabilities. I have invisible disabilities, like so many people in the world. I'm neurodiverse and I have ADHD, which, by the way, is very common with entrepreneurs ADHD and dyslexia, like 65% of us, because our brains sort of work differently. But the reality is it's still considered a disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act and under the CRPD, the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. So I started thinking, well, it's great that these so many of these corporations are committing to an inclusive workforce, but the part of the problem is that you know, where are we? Where is the supply and the demand? You know, we've got the demand. Where's the supply? So I've created a nonprofit that is unfolding right now, the last couple of months, called Billion Strong. It's billion-strong.org. And it's an identity and empowerment organization for people with lived experiences with disabilities. Because I'm also a mother, as I mentioned, of a daughter that's now 34 years old with Down syndrome. And she's amazing, complicated, multidimensional woman. I mean, she's very, 
she, you know, she doesn't want to just be known as that little girl with Down syndrome. Mm. And then also, sadly, my husband has aged into dementia and Parkinson due to a, um, he was hit by a car when he was 11 and got a traumatic brain injury, but he went on to get married and have two children and have a career, but dementia came for him because his brain just was impacted so much by that accident. So, you know, it, it, does that mean my whole family's broken? No, it doesn't. It means I have a family of human beings. I continue to be very supportive of corporations and making sure governments are including people with disabilities strategically. But now I'm very focused on this billion strong to bring together an identity organization um, where we can live our best lives, our best lived experience with disabilities, but do it everywhere, not just in the States, not just in the UK, but in Bangladesh and Ghana and all that. So it's a massive undertaking, but somebody's got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love that you are at the helm and that you're taking that idea and really growing it. Because as you said, I think that one of the things that I've been really really glad to see, and it's not going as fast as I would like to see. It's not as big as it would be is the acknowledgement that there are so many people who have different kinds of uh, ability status, some of which is visible and some of which isn't right. And that that shouldn't preclude people from being able to thrive. And so I think I'm just so inspired and encouraged by the fact that more people are willing to even have the conversation that those are, that there's individuals who are stepping out and saying and elevating the conversation and using their platforms to elevate the, that there's people like you who are creating safe spaces for people to come to and really understand and, and grow more. And so I, I feel like we're on, we're in a movement, we're in a wave. I, I want it to be bigger and faster and all of those things. But I think, you know, like any good wave, I, I think at least they, they start kind of slow and they, they build up power as they go. And if they don't, they should, <laughs> um, but Right. But I I can feel it. And do you feel the same? Do you feel it? I do. And even right now on our screens, you've got your name and I've got my name and we've got she, her, hers. And I believe that what we're doing right now, it's, it's really scary in the world right now. We all agree to that, but I think that we're really thinking about our identity. What does it really mean to be human? Especially when we're also talking about artificial intelligence. And we're sort of worried about that because the artificial intelligence don't have data sets with women in it, with you know black and brown people, with uh, people with disabilities, with the LGBT community, for example. So it's like, what are we programming this artificial intelligence to do? And what lens are we looking at it through? Are we only looking at it through the lens that we all look at everything through right now, how society has been built, which is dominated by leadership, male leadership, generally white male leadership. There's nothing wrong with white males. I have a son that's a white male. My husband's a white male. There's a lot of beautiful white males, but they also human beings are are diverse and we need to celebrate those differences and we need to join the movements of others celebrating and sort of breaking down. What does it mean to truly be human? And by the way, this work-life balance we deal with, you know what? We have personal lives. Dogs come in, children come in. We talked about that off air before, but so really celebrating that we are, you know, we have lived experience of both work life and personal life. And they actually can blend together in a way that makes it really good for everybody, including one thing that I think was interesting during COVID was that so many companies were afraid to let their employees work from home. And when they started working from home, finally, they became even more productive. Imagine that. Wow. Well, it's so, you know, I, I, 
we're going to end our time pretty soon, but I have to ask you this question because, because you know this, right. And you're, and you're in this in a really interesting way because of your movement in technology, because of your movement in advocacy, I'm, I'm curious, like, do you have a sense of what's, what's possible as we think about some of these ideas that like, for example, so many people, like you just said, with remote work, they're like, oh no, we can't do this. It's not going to work. It's going to be right. And they, and now all of a sudden we can, right. Because the, and the technology though has been there for over a decade for us to be able to do this. Right. And maybe not as effectively as we're doing it today, but it probably could have moved faster if we had, if we had leaned into it a little bit more. Are there other things that you think are out there that are, we should be like, let's download it right now. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's go support it or whatever, because it's technology that you think could kind of bind us together and make us stronger as we think about what it means to be humans. Right. And I would just say, you know, I think joining the conversations wherever you choose to join them, I I think we should be kind in these conversations. I think it doesn't help any of us to be so mean and fearful and, you know, really, you know, but joining the conversations are so important to no matter what age, no matter who you are. But at the same time, I think demanding better of society, of our corporate leaders, of our government leaders, um, we should have technology that works for everyone, is accessible to everyone. Everyone should have access to, you know, good, solid, high-speed internet. Um, So looking at this sort of through the lens of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, or 17 of them, and they talk about gender equality, they talk about ending poverty. Um, Nobody should go hungry. So demanding of our leaders, especially right now, our corporate leaders that are, the corporations are so powerful. The multinational is saying, we expect you to do tech for good. We expect you to do tech for all. We expect you to hire a diverse workforce and we're not going to work for you if you don't do it. And we're seeing the younger people step out and say, no, we see them actually before the COVID, you know, they were going out and saying, no, I'm not going to put up with what you're doing and letting people get away with, you know, sexually abusing women, for example, you know, that was okay. And then we had the Me Too movement. So I think we can't let the status quo be okay anymore. We have to find our part of the garden to tend. I'm very, very passionate about making sure people with disabilities are included and, but Technology is a great equalizer, but only if it's accessible to everyone. We build these amazing technologies and then the people that really need it don't get access to it. That can't be okay with us anymore. That can't be okay. We've got to fight for each other and for, and I believe the way to change the world is actually be the light moving forward. And so like Billion Strong, that is focused on helping people have their own lived um, identity. And really talk about, yeah, I have ADHD and it makes me hyper and I got to be careful with coffee, but it also makes me really good at social media and other things that that my high-strung personality does. And so let's stop deciding people are less than because they can't see or they can't hear or they they look differently. They have facial differences. So there's just, it feels like we're rethinking society. So let's rethink in a way that more people can participate. I think <laughs> I just got chills all the way through my body, right? Like let's, let's reimagine what the world can look like. And, and yes. actually, it's not even reimagine. It's almost like, let's just see what the world looks like. 
Yeah. Because we really like see what the, we don't have to imagine it. We we have all this diversity in front of us, right? We have all these people who have these beautiful differences and different things they can bring to the table and different ways they can thrive. Like we don't even have to, it, there's a part of reimagining, but I think it's just opening our eyes wider. You know, it, it's almost like it's right in front of us. others. Yeah. yeah. When I was creating Billion Strong, I was told I'll only do it in the States. And I said, no, I'm so sick of global efforts happening only in the States. And then we don't really talk to anybody else. We have one board member from another country. No, let's, I appreciate the flag flying over the United States, but I'm a human being and I'm part of this beautiful planet. And I appreciate all the other inhabitants, even the pesky ones, the mis- I probably don't appreciate mosquitoes and ticks. <laughs> I'm sure that they have some reason for being in existence, but we really need to think not so much ego-based, but really think about how can we make the world work, not only for ourselves and our families and our loved ones, but for other people too. And, and the really cool thing about problem solving is when you have diverse backgrounds, you're better problem solvers. Absolutely. So yeah, it's a win for all. It really is. And and like, that's the thing I, I have yet to find something that has been call it an accommodation, call it an inclusion strategy, call it something that doesn't benefit everybody. Right. So that's the other thing too, is that this isn't about, you know, preferential treatment. This is about treating all people with, with dignity. And when we do that and everybody wins, right. Everybody wins. Like, how can you argue against everybody wins? Okay. Deborah, so lovely to talk to you. I'm sad that our time is over with, because I feel like we could spend hours and hours. So we'll have to figure out a way to, to continue our conversation. But for those people who want to join and put you into not just the top 5%, but the top 1%, because they want to see all the wonderful things you're putting out, um, what, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I'm, I'm, and I would recommend everybody do this. I'm very consistent on social media. I'm on all the platforms as at Deborah Rue, D-E-B-R-A-R-U-H. And then my website is rueglobal.com. But Billion Strong, Oh gosh, we need every single person in the world to join it, whether you have a disability or not. There's 1.3 billion people in the world and it's a free movement and it's www.billion-strong.org. And every single person that joins the movement allows us to do more work. We have a bunch of corporations that want to help us, but we need the humans to join us. So that would be such a precious act. And billion strong, billion-strong.org is also um, all over social media, but um, we're just all stronger together. We all need to help each other. We got this even though it's a little scary right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. So I will make sure, will our team will make sure that we have all of those links if you didn't catch it uh, as you're listening to the recording. So it will definitely be um, in our show notes. So please go there and, and get all of the information. Deborah, thank you for all that you're doing and all you'll continue to do. We are rooting for you, not just from the sidelines, but also alongside you, um, which is what we hope other people will do also. And um, just really thankful for everybody who was able to join us during this conversation. We're so glad that you tuned in to another week's episode of Uplifting Impact in our podcast. We need more people, just like Deborah said, we need everybody. We need billions of people, right? To to help us uplift the impact. If we're going to do things in the world, we all have to be here together. So we are really grateful when you're able to share our, our episodes. If you are able to comment on it, if you can do that by going to the website, upliftingimpact.com. 
gmail.com. We love hearing your thoughts and your feedback and your questions. It's what inspires us and keeps us moving and, and keeping the information fresh. You can also go to LinkedIn. You can connect with either Justin or I or both of us uh, on LinkedIn. But until next week, thank you so much for helping us uplift the impact. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.